So good to see everyone this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about Holy Ghost and fire, the presence and power of God. And we're going to go right into the message here as we go to Mark 4, verse 35. On that day. When evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Now, uh, a lot of people in here may have heard me minister on this. This is one of my favorite passages. This is one of the initial messages God had given me when I was traveling around as a psalmist evangelist. Amen. And he said, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Well, that looks pretty self-explanatory, but within that passage, there's a few nuggets. First of all, in the very beginning, it says, on that day. There's a specific day for everything under heaven. There's a time and a day. Amen? So on that day, when the evening came, evening represents the end of one thing and the beginning of a new thing. Amen? Amen. So when the evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Now, all of us got an other side that we're dealing with right now. For some of us, the other side is a healing. For some of us, the other side is a financial breakthrough. For some of us, it's a family being reconciled back together. Children coming home, marriages being restored. All of us have another side. And Jesus is saying, let us go over to the other side. Amen? There's a lot of other sides in our life. It's called from faith to faith. Because you're believing for one thing, and then God brings you through, and then you give him the glory, and then you have to believe for the next thing. The just shall live by faith. You're never going to stop needing to live by faith. Amen? One day you believe in God for finances. The other day you believe in God for healing. We go from faith to faith. And each time he blesses us, we give him glory. So we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. As he takes us across the other side. Leaving the crowd. The crowd always represents the mass consensus. Usually if it's a crowd, something is being given away for nothing. Something's given away cheap or for free. Amen? And sometimes the things that God has for you, you got to leave the crowd. Amen? And they took him along with them in the boat just as he was. The way my mind works when I read the Bible, I ask questions. And I said, what is that? He said, let's go over to the other side. And they took him along. I said, Holy Spirit, you got to show me what that means. And he showed me it means this. Come on, Jesus, follow me instead of following him. We set out to do things and we ask God to follow us. They took him along just as he was. Who is he? (laughs) The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's the healer. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley. He's a bright and morning star. He's the all in all. He's the I am that I am. Just as he was, they took him along. Are you just taking Jesus along with you? Amen. And there were other boats with them, with him. Those other boats, those are some of your friends, your family, those who are not quite in the boat with Jesus. They're looking at you, looking at your life, 
seeing how it's working out for you. You keep talking about Jesus. You go to church. You tithe. You give your time and your service, and people want to see how it's working for you. So they kind of go along. They're not in the boat. They're in another boat watching. Amen? And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. This is a real incident. As, if I'm out in the middle of the water, my wife will tell you I'm not that good of a swimmer. <laughs> I can swim a little bit, but you get me out in that deep end, I'm going to splash around a little bit. The boat was filling up with water. They had a good reason to be concerned. Jesus himself was in the stern. He was in the back of the boat, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Now, if you watch one of those old English Christian movies, you know, one of the older ones, they have the English accents, rather. And then, uh, Teacher, <laughs> do you not care that we're perishing? No, the boat is filling with water. They're crying out. Teacher, don't you care? We're getting ready to die, and you're asleep. Where are you? We do that. There are things that come up in our life where it just seems like Jesus is asleep on us. We were singing that song earlier, even in the silence, he's working. Even in the darkness, he's here. And you got to believe that. But they lost hope and he's right there, sleeping. And not only is he sleeping, he's sleeping on a cushion. I mean, he's, he's cutting some logs. <laughs> and then he's snoring. <laughs> he's sleeping on a cushion. He's resting. But I think he was demonstrating to them in the midst of a storm, and this is a lesson for us, we need to learn how to rest. Amen? Verse 39, and he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush. You know, when you say hush to somebody, that's like either a child or somebody, you know what I mean? He's telling the wind, hush. Like it's a pet or a little kid, hush. Be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Let's put it on ourselves. When we're going through stuff and you know that God brought you through the last thing, then you still have no faith? When you were in that sick bed and you didn't think you were going to make it out, God brought you through. Now you're going through something else. Do you still have no faith? When you didn't know how you were going to get some food on the table? Or pay the rent and God brought you through. Now you're complaining and worrying again. Do you still have no faith? See, we got to make this stuff real. It has to apply to our lives. It's not just them. This is about us. Do we still have no faith? Or do we have faith? Hallelujah. They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is? is this they don't even know Jesus and they're walking with him they're watching him do miracles they're listening to his teaching and they don't even really now again let's bring it to the church there are people who call themselves Christians they really don't know Jesus haven't had an encounter with him 
Because that's what matters. You got to have a personal encounter with Jesus. I got a way to explain that. It's a little graphic, but it makes the point. Someone shared it with me years ago, and I never forgot it. You got to have an encounter with Jesus. Jesus is the most powerful force on earth. Amen? So imagine if you're stepping out on the 405 freeway in front of a Mack truck going 80 miles an hour. You have an encounter. You cannot deny. Well, Jesus is a thousand times more powerful than a Mack truck. When you have an encounter with Jesus, there's nothing that can shake you away from that. Amen? It's a life-changing encounter. It's going to change the way you look. There'll be people going to be saying, is that you? I saw, I saw a friend that used to see me on the street. He said, is that you? Man! Because an encounter with Jesus will change you. Man, that brought some tears to my eyes right there. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Touch it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fire. Fire. Burn it up, Lord. Whatever's not like you, burn it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Then, Mark 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side. The other side of the sea, to the country of Gadarenes. So, remember when this story started, the very first verse of this story was Mark 4.35, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. So now, in actuality, Mark 5 is the same story. And the entire purpose of Mark 4. The entire purpose. He said, let us go to the other side. Now they're on the other side. So I'm going to share something with you that they teach in seminary. Well, so I don't know. I haven't been to a seminary, but... I went to a school of ministry. And one of the things we learned is that all the chapters and the verses were added. The numbers were added. And some stories are broken up to where you think it's a new story, but it's really a continuation of the same story. And this is one of those cases I believe the Holy Spirit showed me because it said, let us go to the other side. Now we're in a new chapter, verse 1. Then they came to the other side, to the of the sea to the country of Gadarenes. I'm just going to share a little nugget about Gadarenes. You see the first three letters is Gad. There were some people in Numbers, uh, I believe it's Numbers 32, when it was time to cross over the Jordan, they said, we don't want to go. Because this country where we are right now on this side is good for cattle, and we have cattle. So we want to stay here. They didn't cross over the Jordan. They became the people of Gadarenes. Amen? They're one of the lost tribes. I just want to throw that in there. We're not going to get deep into that. And when he came out of the boat, immediately, say immediately. 
There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. So it begins with this, with then they came to the other side. In other words, this was the destination predetermined by Jesus when he said, let us cross over. This was his destination from the very start. They didn't just wind up here and this guy didn't just happen to be there. They came to meet this guy. That's what Jesus had in mind. In other words, the other side is not just a place without purpose. It's a place God has designated for his purposes. Your other side is designated for God's purposes. God don't bring you through just for you. He's bringing you through for someone else. So if you're wondering why or what this has to do with the Holy Ghost and fire, God's presence and power, we're going to get there little by little as we go through this, but I think you can kind of see where I'm going. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God to the other side of your journey, and there's going to be some storms on the way because the devil knows that on the side, you're going to have a breakthrough for someone else's life. Amen? He's not bringing you through just for yourself. He's bringing you through for that family member, for that friend, for that co-worker, or somebody you never met before, like our sister. We just met her a few weeks ago coming to the Friday meetings. Amen? For dinner. Amen? So, let's go on. The other side is not just a place without purpose. It's a place God has pre-designated to fulfill his purposes. In this case, it was the man with an unclean spirit, not even with chains. Not even with chains. Nothing in this world. His deliverance required divine power, Holy Ghost power. Well, let me do, turn there. I, I'm not even there yet. I'm talking about the chains. Mark 5, verse 4. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. So look, it says he was often bound. That means somebody was binding him. That means it was some family, some friends, some people in the community. They were trying to put him off. Hey, you stay out here. You're a danger to us, and you're a danger to yourself. So you stay out here, and they tried to tie him up and bind him with chains, but not even the chains could hold him. None of that could work because those are things of the world. He needed spiritual deliverance. Amen? No one could tame him. And it says always. Say always. always. Night and day. That's always. He was in the mountains. He was in the high places, and he was in the tombs. That's the grave. No matter where he went, he was crying out, and he was cutting himself with stones. Well, that kind of represents condemnation, you know, the curse of the law. He's cutting himself. We got some cutters. Them kids cut themselves for fun. 
They're under condemnation. They got guilt. They got shame. No one quite understands it. It's spiritual. It's not a, it's not a mental. It's spiritual. Amen? But let's go on. God wants you to know that the devil brings storms in your life, that they try to prevent you from crossing over. It's the devil that brings the wind, the waves, and the trials and troubles. In the world, they call it an act of God, but the devil is a lie. Because the entire creation is moaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Amen? God created a paradise. Earth didn't go into confusion until after the fall. Amen? He wants you to know that even though it sometimes seems like he's sleeping, God wants you to know he's in the boat. He's right there with you. And it's Jesus who's going to bring you through. It's, you, it's Jesus that's going to help you to cross over to the other side. So this person is bound. He's bound with shackles. And nothing worked. But let's go on. When he saw Jesus, hallelujah, <laughs> when you see Jesus, when I finally saw Jesus, that's when I had my breakthrough, amen? He ran and worshiped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Now, Jesus knew that it wasn't the man speaking, but it was the spirits within him speaking. The unclean spirits. Amen? But look at that unclean spirit could not keep that man from running toward Jesus and worshiping him. I can't tell you how many times we've ministered to people right here on these premises that look like they were besides themselves. And you start talking about Jesus and they light up. And they begin to quote scripture back to you. Amen? Because nothing can stop them from worshiping Jesus. No chains, no shackles, nothing can stop them from worshiping God. So he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus? In other words, this spirit is saying, there's nothing in you that belongs to me. I don't have anything to do with you. You don't have my sin. You don't have my hatred. You don't have my bitterness. You don't have my anguish. You don't have my pain. You don't have my torment. You don't have anything that belongs to me. What do I have to do with you? Leave me alone. Let me inhabit this man. Let me possess this man. I'm all right here. Verse 8, for he said to him, Jesus said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Look it up. Some people say a legion is 3,000. I think the best answer is it's about 6,000. 6,000 demons, a Roman legion. Amen? It's 6,000. For we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. I thought that was interesting. I didn't have time to meditate and reflect on that, but that's something I want to dig into because... Their principalities over an area. He did not want to leave. This, these demons did not want to leave this particular area. It was something about this area. So he begged Jesus that Jesus wouldn't send him out of the country. He knew his time was up because <laughs> Jesus was in the house. Amen. 
Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the, the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. When you see any time in the Bible when something is thrown into the sea, that means they're gone. That's it. You drop something in the ocean, that's it. It's gone. Amen. Drop your cell phone, you're out on the boat and taking pictures, you drop it, it's gone. And you can't get that back. Amen. <laughs> Don't even try. They're gone. But the interesting thing is, this man has 6,000 demons in him, and he was able to withstand them because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Woo! The stuff that you're going through, even the secret things that nobody knows about but you and God, you're able to handle it if you have Jesus. Amen? He cast them demons out into those pigs. Those pigs couldn't even stand what that one man was going through. What he was going through was so bad that the pigs, they had to run off the cliff. They said, we don't even want to live like this. <laughs> they ran and drowned themselves in the sea to get away from those demons. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, so those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. So these swine, these pigs belonged to these people, and they said, hey, man, this dude messed up our business. They're not even supposed to have pigs. But like I said, they were the tribe that didn't cross over. They were the remnants, they were the descendants of that tribe, of Gad. And so they went and told everybody what happened. Then they came to see Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. Thank you, Lord. And they were afraid. That made them nervous because Jesus changed their whole idea of reality. Here they were trying to use chains and keep them in the tomb. They tried to put shackles on them and none of that worked. And here comes Jesus and changed everything. Changed their whole perspective of reality. And that made them afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Look, Jesus, you got to go. You're messing up everything. We have a certain way of living, a certain way of seeing things, and now we're confused. You got to, and you know what? That happens in families. One person gets saved, and the other people in the family start getting, like, real funny with them. You know? Like, you got to go. You know, something's different. I don't like this change in your life. Amen? Some of your friends, they don't want you around no more because Jesus changes everything. And then they become uncomfortable. So they pleaded with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to go out and minister. Amen? He wanted to minister now. However, Jesus did not permit him but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. Go minister. 
The man just been delivered it, and Jesus said, go tell somebody. Go evangelize. Go tell your family. Go tell your friends what God has done for you. When God does something for you, don't keep it to yourself. Don't try to act like you got it together on your own, like you're so smart. I got connections or whatever, you know, people say, make yourself look good. You got to give all the glory to God. Amen. When I first started ministering, I would give my testimony. And, you know, some places I would feel like I guess it was a religious environment and I didn't want to share my testimony. I didn't want to tell people that I had been in the music industry and got on crack and I was on crack and on the street for six years. I didn't want to tell people that because it made me feel ashamed in some places. Then other places I had the liberty to, to give my testimony and I found out that people were being blessed. And the one time I didn't give my testimony, uh, the Holy Spirit checked me. Checked me hard. He said, don't you ever withhold your testimony. Because I did that for you, and I want people to know where you came from and how you got there. Amen? And the biggest thing he told me, he said, everybody's been to prison. They're born into a prison. They just don't see the bars. He said, matter of fact, you're better off because you saw the bars. Because when you got those bars in front of you... <laughs> You got to like, what would I do to get here? <laughs> what do I got to do to not get back here? But when you have never been locked up physically, you don't see the spiritual bars. And you need an encounter with Jesus. Amen? It's going to happen by an encounter with Jesus. It's going to happen by the Holy Ghost and power. The fire of the Holy Ghost and the power and presence of God. So he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. That Decapolis, I just really quickly, that's 10 cities. That's a metropolitan area of 10 cities. So this guy became a major evangelist. Amen. Probably had a mega ministry before it was all over. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Exodus 3.3. 3. So we're talking about the Holy Ghost and fire, the presence and power of God. So we just seen the fire of God without it being uh, sp specified. The, the power and the presence of Jesus in that man's life changed his whole life. Amen. Exodus 3.3. 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Some, uh, the Horeb, I just want you to know that Horeb and Sinai are the same mountain. Sometimes even in Exodus, they interchange the name. It means the mountain of God. It's the mountain of God. So Moses was in the backside of the desert. He was at somewhere like Palmdale. <laughs> Because when we go, uh, when we go, we go do a lot of traveling and we're in places, we say Palmdale and they say, where? Huh? What? <laughs> Antelope Valley. Huh? What's that? Even people in California. Amen? He was in a place where he was trying to get away from God because he was in shame. He was in guilt. He was in condemnation. Forty years have gone by. He's on the backside of the desert at the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnation of Jesus, if you didn't know that. And 
The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. See, God has a way he reveals himself in fire. And one of the reasons I started on this message, and I don't know if it's going to come together like I envisioned it, but I'm just being led to give it the way I'm giving it. One of the things about fire, for us believers, fire is a good thing. It's a good thing. But if you're outside of Christ, it's a scary thing. The last thing you want to encounter outside of Christ is the fire of God. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So this bush wasn't burning. I just want to share about this real quick. A, a tumbleweed, if it's set on fire, it's supposed to turn to ashes. What God was demonstrating to Moses is that his fire was everlasting, but it was gentle enough to not harm a bush. It's a picture of what he can do in our lives. We can be consumed with the fire of God, but it won't destroy us. In fact, it'll use us. It'll use you, brother. The fire of God will use you. Jeremiah said, your word is like a fire. Shut up in my bones. I can't hold it back. Amen? Come on, y'all getting quiet on me now. I know it's a little challenging. Exodus 3, 3, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush does not burn. So this is what I want to say about the burning bush. Moses experienced the fire of God's presence there. Even though it was awesome and amazing and miraculous, it was the presence of God. And remember, he fleed from Egypt because he thought he was pursuing his purpose when he killed that Egyptian. So he got away from there as far as he could. Now it's 40 years later, he experienced the fire of God's presence. At that burning bush in the fire of God's presence, he found his identity. Because God called him out of that fire to go do a work for him. In the fire of God's presence, presence, he found his purpose. So God could not do through Moses what he needed to be done while he was still in Egypt. Sometimes God has to move you to an isolated place. To a place you really may not want to be. I mean, he was raised in a palace. Now he's out in the middle of the desert raising sheep. But sometimes God has to move us to a place where we don't want to be so that he can do through us what he wants to get done through us. Amen? Sometimes you can't be in that comfort zone. Sometimes you can't be where you want to be and do the work of God. I never chose to be in Palmdale, California. And I, every time I say that to somebody, they say, me neither. <laughs> in fact, I used to say, I will never move out there. I don't know why anybody would live out there in the middle of the desert. But God must have been laughing. Man, he must have been laughing so hard. He's like, Gabriel, here, here watch this. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So it took 40 years of Moses being out in the wilderness on the backside of the mountain for God to clean Moses from Egypt's influence. That's why he isolates you. Sometimes he has to isolate you from family for a little while. Isolate you from friends. Isolate you from things that you've been comfortable with. 
Sometimes he has to put you in an uncomfortable position to prepare you for what he wants to do with you. You think I wanted to be on the street? You think I wanted to be in county jail? Here's the number, 12 times in six years. And I never did nothing wrong in my life up until the first time I got caught with drugs. I was 34 years old before I ever got locked up. I was raised good kid, amen? I followed instructions and rules. Now I'm finding myself in and out of county jail. But God was trying to do something. He was trying to reach me, amen? He didn't put me in those positions, but he allowed it, amen? God had to first get all the Egypt out of me. <laughs> and what God is trying to do with each one of us is get the Egypt out of us, that place where we came from, so that he can use you. Why God uses fire? Fire represents God's purity. He wants to purify you. Amen? So you can be of use for him. You can't do the work for God and not be purified. Pursuing holiness. Fire represents God's passionate love. Fire for the believer represents God's power to spread and multiply. Fire for the non-believer represents God's power to take away, punish, or for the non-believer represents God's power to take away, punish, or destroy. And whatever is put into fire becomes fire. If you put a log in fire, that's now fire. Amen? When we're consumed with fire, we'll say, you're on fire. When you meet somebody on fire for the Lord, you say, you're on fire for Jesus. You're on fire with the anointing. You're on fire for God. I like being around you. Amen? Because you're on fire. You're on fire, brother. How many times have you been told you're on fire? Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Matthew 3, verse 11. Now we're going to see the contrast, how God uses fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John the Baptist talking. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Woo. Jesus came to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. He said, I'm baptizing with water. That's nice. That's nice. But <laughs> this one who's coming is going to baptize you in a better way with Holy Spirit and fire. See, the water baptism represents a purifying. But the Holy Ghost and fire is preparing you for service. Amen? To do the work. Now look at the contrast. This is for non-believers. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. So for those who are outside the kingdom, they're going to be burned up with unquenchable fire. Deuteronomy 4, here's another contrast. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant 
of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. If you're participating in any form of idolatry, God is a consuming fire. No, you're not a Virgo. No, you're not a Taurus or a Leo, or any of those other things. If you're a child of God, you're saved, set free, and delivered from the Zodiac. Amen? That's a cult. And if you're playing around with it, you're playing around with the consuming fire of God. He's a jealous God. How are you going to make something in the sky your God? How are you going to say, I'm a this and I'm a that, and the Bible says you're a child of God. You're sanctified, set free, and delivered. How are you going to play? I'm telling you today, if you haven't done it yet, because I've already said it many times, if you got any Zodiac stuff in your house, you need to burn it up. If you don't feel comfortable burning it up, just throw it away. Take it out to the dumpster. But it's better that you make it so nobody else can use it. <laughs> Somebody else might get it out and say, oh, my God, Aquarius, I, that's me. No, it's not you. It's why it's in the dumpster. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If, <laughs> Daniel 3, verse 17. If that is the case, okay, this is the Hebrew boys. You know how hard it is to not go through all of these stories, amen, especially for me. But I just want to give you some, a few examples. They, the, the king said, if you don't bow down, if you don't worship me, you're going to have to be thrown in the oven. So I'm just summarizing real quickly. Verse 17, Daniel 3, 17. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. I'm going down to verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Did he look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Because they belong to the Lord. Amen. That fire couldn't touch them. For a believer, the fire is a good thing. That's where you want to be. You want to be in the fire of God's presence. Amen. Because that's, that's where his power is. Holy Ghost and fire, presence and power. Because the Holy Ghost is with each one of us right now. If you're a believer today, the whole... Know ye not that you are a temple of the Holy Ghost? That's God within you. How are we taking God for granted? He's with us wherever we go, and we think we're hiding something. We think we can't be seen. But God is within you. If you're a believer and you're called by the name of Jesus, you put I-A in after Christ, you mean you're saying I'm Christ-like. You can't hide from him because he's living within you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And his power is the fire. It's the fire of the word. The Bible says his word is like a fire and like a hammer. Amen? 
It destroys everything that is not like him. You want to one day be able to say what Jesus said in John 14, 30. The prince of this world, that's the devil, he's coming, but he has nothing in me. Nothing in me. Nothing in me belongs to him. I don't have any anger within me. I don't have any bitterness within me. I don't have any guilt within me. I don't have any shame within me. I don't have none of his garbage in me. Amen? Because it's been burned out by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Acts 1-4. He commanded them. Jesus told them. This is after he, after he came back. After the resurrection, he commanded them. Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, a lot of things you don't know. It's really hard for me not to go into it. <laughs> But we're going to get into it in weeks to come. Amen. I'm just waiting on God to tell me the order of speaking and when Pastor Bobby's going to speak again and when Juan is going to speak and we got some guests we want to bring in. And I'm just going to wait, but I just want you to know that there's a lot we can go into about the book of Acts, especially the book of Acts. Amen. And I, I can't get into it all today, but I want you to know that he called the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father. This is something God has promised throughout the Bible for his indwelling presence. That's why I said the burning bush represents mankind. It represents you and me consumed but not burned up or destroyed. Amen? Because it's the fire of God on our life. Hallelujah. And going down to verse 8, Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's Lancaster and Palmdale <laughs> and to all the end of the earth. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You shall receive power. The fire of God is the power of God. The power of God is the fire of God, however you want to say it. And what does it cause you to do? To be witnesses of him. Amen. To be a lamp. He said, you don't put a lamp under a bushel, you put it on the top of a hill. This church is a lamp in this neighborhood. Amen? We're not boasting, we're not bragging, and we're not trying to be the big church around the corner or down the street. We're just trying to do what God tells us to do. Amen? And people are showing up, and they're like, wow, we like it here. You guys actually talk about God. I'm like, you go to churches where they don't talk about God? Yeah, they just give us a meal. I had one lady say to me, we asked for seconds, and the lady almost cursed me out. You go sit down until everybody's ate. We don't do that here. We try to love on God's people because they're his people, amen? They're his people. But we can't do any of it, and this is what the message is about, without the fire of the Holy Ghost. You can't do this stuff intellectually. You'll get wore out and wore down. You know, remember back in the day, well, I'm aging myself. <laughs> when they made cars, power steering was an option. <laughs> and you had to... 
If you didn't have power steering, man, it was hard to park a car. <laughs> but when they started making it standard, man, you could turn. You could park. That's what we need, the power of God. Amen? Because without the power of God, this work, uh, let me tell you, if you're ever thinking about being pastor, this is not easy. I need some power steering. <laughs> I need the power of God to do this. Amen? And anybody pursues ministry, even on Friday, I believe people get a little tired because it's a lot of work. Uh, ask Brother Bud. Hallelujah. So we have the power to be witnesses to Jesus. Wherever we go, he says here, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, Palmdale, Lancaster, California, and then to the other most parts of the world. He's got a plan for you. Look, the greatest harvest of souls that the church is about to experience will be the result of the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in a believer's life. The Holy Spirit is more than a means of feeling good, laughing and dancing, crying or being revived or being slain in the spirit, falling on the floor. It's more than that. We cannot be light if we're not on fire. You know, light, we think of a light, we think of a light bulb. But back then it was oil and it had to be lit. Amen. So if we're not on fire, Jesus said, people we can't be used if we're not on fire. Amen. But Jesus said that people are to be the light of the world. You can find that in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. We are lit by the fire of God. Only the fire of God can disperse spiritual darkness. Only the fire of God was able to save that demoniac man. Soon as Jesus got out of the boat, the man came toward him. Help! Amen? It takes the fire of God. I don't care what psychiatrist, counselor. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Amen? And he's given us his word. He said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Just put his word in your heart. Amen? And he'll begin to direct you. He'll begin to shift you. He'll begin to move you in the right direction. See, he's supposed to be leading us, not us, him. You know, I demonstrate it all the time, but we can't say, Lord, I'm going over here. Come on, bless this. He's not going to bless no mess. If it's not right, he's not going to bless it. Now, is, does that mean he's going to curse it? No, he's, he's, he's just going to let you go through, and then he's going to make a way out of no way. Amen? Then he's going to work all things together. He's going to take your bad things and the good things and work them together for your good. But the whole way to, work, to walk with Jesus is to let him lead you. If he's over there saying, come here, then that's where you go. There's a place called there for every person. You're here today because God said, go there. You may think you made a conscious decision. I'm going to go to the Connection Church this morning. But it was the Holy Spirit within you. Because the Bible says in Philippians 2.13, it's God who works within you to will and to do of his good pleasure. You're here because of the Spirit of God led you here. Now, you may have somebody saying, come on, we're going to church. <laughs> but it was still the Spirit of God to lead you to cooperate 
Acts 1.8. Hallelujah. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Like we are now. We're in one accord in one place. And suddenly, come on, say suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I'm going to ask everybody right now, if you pray in the spirit, let's pray right now. Let's fill this place with the sound of the Holy Ghost. Come on. And if you don't pray in the spirit, just make a joyful noise until something comes out of your mouth that you didn't say on your own. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Come on, lift your your holy hands while you're praying. Son, the rain down upon us today. With your anointing, rain down upon us today. With your presence. Break every chain. Break every chain. Every shackle. Every stronghold. Satan, we command you right now in the name of Jesus, take all of your weapons and flee. He said that because the Lord our God has given us authority to cast you out of here in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think the word went forth. Before we started the message, it said you're not going to leave out of here the way you came in. I don't know what you came in here with. But God wants it to go right now. In Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Check this out. The next verse says, there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. One more time. There's an army rising up. To break every chain, break every chain, break it. That's you and me. We're the army. We're the army. You got to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. You waiting for God to do it from heaven, but he put you here. We're an occupying army. That's our job, to break the chains. 
Now, we had Pastor Martin came about a year ago, and he said, you know what? The chains are already broken. The shackles are already broken. But some of you are wearing them like wristlets and anklets. Get them off because they're still wearing you down. You're still in regret of the past. You're still in worry. You're still in doubt and unbelief. Those chains are broken. Give it back to where they came from. Send it to the pit of hell. Say, God, I refuse to worry. God, I refuse to be sick. God, I refuse to be broke. God, I refuse to let my marriage fall to the wayside. I refuse to let my children fall to the wayside. I thank you that you're about to break the chains. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of breakthrough. Today is the day the chains are broken. Hallelujah. I'm holding on to my daughter. I'm holding on to her. I'm holding on to my children. They may not do what I want them to do, but I'm going to hold on to them. Because in this house, we will serve the Lord. And my God is going to answer all of my prayers. Amen. And we're going to give him the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Suddenly. Say suddenly. 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 Oh, man. He won't let me stay on the script. We were watching the man of God a couple of weeks ago, and he made a very interesting point. He said, life is kind of like this. You try to start out doing something. It's nothing, 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 nothing. It seems like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then one day, suddenly, you got a breakthrough. And then he said, all those nothings weren't nothings. I cut out about shit. I used to tell the young men that I see turning their lives around. Slow and easy wins the race. Slow and steady. One step at a time. It's a long way from Sierra to 10th Street West. But when you take one step at a time, a few minutes you look back and say, wow, I came a long way. Slow and steady wins the race. Amen? When you start rushing and trying to get things too fast, that's when you bump your head. <laughs> You're getting ahead of Jesus. Let him lead you step by step, little by little, here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. God's going to work it out. Amen. Amen. I just was reminded, I saw Pastor out the corner of my eye and Pastor Bill, and I was just reminded on the prayer line, we take communion every day. And uh, that's because my wife had witnessed them doing that. And she said, and then, we, and then I heard from myself, Pastor said one day, she said, we take communion every day, sometimes several times a day, as we are led by the Spirit of God. And guess what? You could do that too on your own. 
Don't wait till the first Sunday. Amen. You could come to the prayer line every morning. We, we Leaders, you need to come to the prayer line at least once a week. Try to make it Bible study at least once out of a month. I would like for you to be every day, <laughs> of course, but we're not religious here. We know people have to, their lives and their schedules, but make some effort, amen, to pray with corporately. Make some effort to be at Bible study. Thank you, especially if you're in a leadership position. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that nice? One of my teachers just say, I came to be nice. I don't like to use the pulpit to beat people up. That's not my style. But I will tell you, share as God leads me. He's saying that you guys need to be at Bible study. Amen? Amen? Because it's not, you know, so much what happens in the Bible study. It's your faith. God adds increase. When you take one step, he takes two. You know, that show that you're watching on TV, that half hour, that one hour, you know, sometimes you start watching, especially the way they do it now on cable, you get those shows where you can just binge watch. <laughs> they got 10 episodes, and you're going to see every episode. Sometimes we got to binge watch the word, amen, because God is binge watching you. He's watching over you, everything you do, every blessing. And when we say every praise is to our God, because he's blessing you. He never takes his eyes off of you. Amen? There's taste, that fire. Amen. <laughs> then, hallelujah, there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one set upon each of them. So each one of us in here, right now, sitting under this word, sitting in this anointing, there's the fire of God upon you right now at this moment. And you're thinking about some things in your life and what you're going to do when you leave here and what you got to do this week. You're thinking about your responsibilities, and your cares and your concerns, but the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you. Put it in the master's hands. Give it to Jesus. Ask him. Don't be afraid to ask God, what do you want me to do about this? And trust me, he's going to answer you. He's going to answer you. I don't have the answers. None of us have the answers for the things that we're confronted with in our lives. But Jesus has the answers. And the Bible says he does exceeding and abundantly beyond what we ask, what we think, what we dream or imagine. Amen. That means if you put words to your prayer. Now I'm just going to get I'm segueing again. If you put that's why we pray in the spirit. Because when you put words to your prayer, it's limited by what you say. God wants to go beyond what you're saying. Exceeding, abundantly beyond what you ask, what you think, what you dream, and what you imagine. That's why it's so good to put it in his hand. I can't tell you how many times he's came through for me beyond what I was praying. Amen? So sometimes our prayers get in his way. Because he wants to do something beyond your imagination. Yeah. Amen? You got to trust him. Let go. That's what it means. Let go. Let God. That's what it means. Get out of his way. 
Let him move. Thank you, Jesus. And there was 120 people in the upper room. I didn't read that verse, but it was 120. Some people think it was only 12. It was 120. And the fire set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I wasn't intending to say this, but when you drink some water, you have the Holy Spirit coming within you. Like a cup of water that you drink, and that water is like the Holy Spirit in you. That's what happens with salvation. But if you jump in a swimming pool, <laughs> now you're baptized. You're baptized. You're baptized with the fire and the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's what it means to become immersed and be baptized with fire, the Holy Spirit and fire. You're being immersed. Amen? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So when we're praying in the Spirit, it's not what we, I can't think about what I'm going to say next. He's saying it. It doesn't even make sense to me. Okay, I can't figure it out. Just now, Pastor Bill this morning gave a prophetic word in tongues and I didn't know what he said and I didn't have the interpretation. That's why I asked. His wife, she had the interpretation, and she gave us the interpretation of what he was saying. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, because the Spirit gave him utterance. He didn't choose what he had to say, and she didn't choose the interpretation. They didn't even know I was going to minister on this. Thank you, Lord. Then Peter said to them, verse 38, repent. What does that mean? We talked about this last week. Change your mind. Change your way of thinking. God can't do that part for you. You have to do that for yourself. You got to say, I don't want to think like this no more. I don't want to be around these kind of people no more. I don't want to go these places no more. I have to change the way I'm thinking. And Jesus, throughout his ministry, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way you're thinking, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen? And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. We got to open the package. Amen. Open it. And enjoy the gift. For the promise is to you and to your children. Hallelujah. And to all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. We're living in a perverse generation. If that not now, it's, I've never seen or imagined that in my lifetime I would see the things I'm seeing. I can't even imagine what Mama Juanita, 103 years old, the changes she's seen in her life. Amen. I'm just, I forgot my age this morning. My wife had to remind me, no, you're not 69, you're 68. I feel one year older than I am. <laughs> That's because this has been some kind of year, amen? But it's a perverse generation we're living in. We don't need to discuss it or debate it, and I'm certainly not going to preach on it from the pulpit. I'm going to preach the word of God. 
going to preach the fire of God. I'm going to preach the kingdom of God because that's the only thing that's going to change everything that we're dealing with. It's all right when we're sitting around with friends, friends and we can chit-chat about the president falling and whatever. <laughs> oh, God, I got to cut that out the tape. <laughs> we, <laughs> we can chit-chat about politics a little bit, but we got to make sure that we get our focus on Jesus. Amen? Put our focus back on the Lord. Because none of this is a surprise to him. He told us what's going to happen. Earthquakes and floods and tornadoes. And he told us all of this was going to We're in a perverse generation. Amen? But the promises for us and our children and to all who are far off. I was afar off. I was in the street. I was in the gutter. And my family and my friends gave up on me. He's done. That's it. He ain't going to be nothing. And I began to think like that. And one day I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get me off of these drugs. I like this stuff. In fact, I love this stuff. But I didn't know what love was until I had a Holy Ghost encounter with Jesus. Amen. And the love of God came over me like a flood and I cried like a baby. I cried for three days. And I got a Bible where it said the sinner's prayer. And I just began to read the sinner's prayer several times a day. I didn't know it only took one. <laughs> I said, I want to make sure I'm saved. And I just get read the prayer. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Be saved from this perverse generation. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And when those who gladly receive, so you got to receive the word. You have to receive the word. And I believe, I don't want to get deeper into this, when you receive the word about Jesus and about his salvation and the wonderful works of God, you're beginning a baptism process right there. You're being immersed in the truth, amen? Then all you got to do is take the other steps. Go to the water and then ask God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray that this morning, amen? And look what happens. Because what fire does, it spreads and it multiplies. And whatever is put in the fire becomes fire. I'm looking at flames of fire in here right now. About 3,000 souls were added to them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Every head bow. Every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to need some help from the ministers today because I can't do it all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, Jesus. Come on. Don't stop praising them, though, while your head is down. Give them praise. Give them worship. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's, there's power in the name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for the fire. The tongues Thank of fire. Thank you for the fire. Tongues fire. of fire. Thank you, Father. If you enjoyed this, 
and other podcasts from the Connection Community Foursquare Church. Be sure to listen in again and subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time a podcast is uploaded. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.